0: this is continuum drag a weekly podcast for visiting television sci-fi fantasy and everything in between this week specter
1: come with me to london no tonight no have? this case is so complex so bizarre that it's literally unexplainable in normal sane rational terms even to you come with me on blind faith by the time it's done we'll have answers in criminal psychology that'll revolutionize the field
0: welcome to continuum drag the podcast so complex and so bizarre it'll revolutionize parapsychology I'm Luke here with my co-host Jordan what's real Jordan
2: you know, I've been pretty good for the last few weeks, and I've had something that's real. This week, I have nothing that's real, except for the show. The show's real.
0: I mean, it exists. So that's as real as it gets. It exists. <laughs> well, this week we are joined by a guest, David. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey guys, what's good?
2: <laughs> oh, you got your own catchphrase. That's a couple of guests in a row. Remember, Billy came in with a with a classic. What's up? <laughs> Timely.
0: We've got a lot of crazy characters we're always bringing on the show. <laughs> um, so, David, as you know, since you're here, science fiction television podcast, are you a television sci-fi fan?
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely am. Um, I mainly stick to Star Trek. That's my, that's my jam. It's cool to be able to talk about these things openly now, because you know, when I think back to when I was a kid and I was into Star Trek The Next Generation it was like a like a shameful thing that was was not to be discussed so i kind of kept that kept that close but it's kind of cool now that i'm older that i found out that you know other people are into this kind of thing and i i can talk about it and be less ashamed David
0: yeah. you're out of the turbo lift
1: i love it
2: <laughs> Dave do you remember when you and i went to go see a star trek movie and we walked we were walking in and some teenager girls some yeah. teenage girls made fun of us and we were both shamed
1: yeah, I remember that. We were walking by, and they're like, "Are you going to go see Star Trek?" And um, like, like "No, know. of course not." <laughs> Two for Star Trek, please. We should have been ashamed. It was bad.
2: It was a bad
0: one. Yeah. <laughs> Those girls knew they were shaming you for the critical response to the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. All right, guys. Well, this week we are watching a
2: Roddenberry TV movie. Roddenberry's back, and he's better than ever. This is our third Roddenberry. Roddenberry. A rottenberry, more like am i right everyone uh it's our third rottenberry pilot if you don't count planet earth as a separate thing because we've done genesis 2 and then also planet earth which was just a remake quester tapes and now this specter
0: that's true we're getting through his whole uh over how do you say that word
1: over, over.
0: thank you but uh this one in particular a little, a little different from his other stuff this one's a little more of a horror paranormal piece so something new from Roddenberry anyway.
2: I read that it fell under the occult detective subgenre
0: and it was released on may twenty first 1977 so you know right at the height of uh of his power question mark uh, i I don't think it was
1: <laughs> well when when was the Star Trek animated series was that seventy three seventy four
2: yeah, I would say early 70s. Yeah,
0: that makes sense because um, one of the co-writers on this actually wrote a, at least one episode of the animated series because he was like the co-writer with uh, Roddenberry on this is kind of like a longtime collaborator, I think.
2: Do you think when someone is talking about how they wrote for Star Trek, the animated show, it's one of those things where like they're at a party. They're like, I wrote for Star Trek. And someone's like, oh, and they're like the, the animated series. And they're like, oh, oh, the animated series.
0: <laughs> I think o- only if they bumped into you at the party. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, if I bump into someone at a party who wrote for Star Trek, the animated series, I'm at the (laughs) oldest party ever because these people must be in their 80s.
0: I mean, you still have lots to talk to them about. You love the same TV shows. That's true. I want to make a quick note on what we're watching here is we are watching the failed pilot TV movie, but technically we are watching the European cut of it that uh, I believe probably played theatrically in Europe. You can tell because of all the boobies.
2: The only thing that is different about this cut as opposed to the TV cut is they literally added in those shots of the breasts. That's the only thing that's different in the theatrical cut.
0: It is crazy. We rarely encounter nudity in these shows. And it clearly explicitly added
2: nudity. I'm just like, this is so weird. It's still, what do you say? It's still, this probably was still in like PG-13. But I think actually it's before even PG-13 existed. So it was just like a PG movie with like cult breasts. Cult breasts. Yeah, cult breasts,
0: CBs. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, before we get into it, I just want to do a a quick little window into the world of May 21st, 1977, Jordan. You know I love to. I can't help myself. I can't wait to see what was happening in this time. Something exciting, I hope. I hope someone died. (laughs) (laughs) No deaths this time. Oh, really? But four days... After this movie was released, Spectre comes out, and four days later, what hits the cinemas?
2: I'm going to guess Star Wars. Star Wars. Those are two ends of the spectrum.
1: It's probably the main reason this thing didn't become a big hit. It just kind of got overshadowed, and it, it wasn't because of its quality. Yeah,
0: That's true. This could have been Star Wars.
2: So is, is your theory if Star Wars hadn't come out, this would have been the defining moment of that <laughs> generation? Spectre would have beat everyone. Star Wars?
1: Yeah, like there would have been like action figures of, you know like Dr. Hamilton and uh you know those those ladies who were her servants and uh yeah all those people.
2: Kids are fighting. I want to be Ham Hamilton. No, I want to be Ham Hamilton.
0: We would have got some Specter prequels, then JJ would have come along and made some uh lackluster Specter uh sequels. I mean, this is a world I want to live in. Um all right, and I have one more little little uh, piece of trivia for you, Jordan. And this is just for you. Oh, great. Guess what was on TV that we watched at the same time as Spectre?
2: Um, maybe that uh, one where they were looking for the medallion and stuff in those caves. What was that movie? You want a hint, Jordan? Yeah, yeah. I want a hint because I I can't I can't remember. You loved it. I loved it, and it's a movie we watched that I loved. You say it's it's a TV series, and I loved it. I don't know what it was. It was Quark. I didn't love Quark. Everyone is making me. <laughs> Make it be an an apologist for Cork, and all I'm saying is it's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: that's enough of this. Let's get into the episode, you guys. Here is the IMDb summary for Spectre. Renowned criminologist and occult investigator William Sebastian recruits his old friend, Dr. Hamilton, to assist in his current case... Anitra Sion, sister of prominent British businessman Jeffrey Sion, believes her brother dabbling in the dark arts. And that was
2: courtesy of JHC3. And I don't know why this reminded me, but I'm just gonna add a little a little factoid, if I will, that I think is gonna help you guys enjoy this a little bit more. The actor who played Dr. Ham Hamilton, Gig Young, or Jig Jig Young, whatever. Um, He met an actress- Oscar winner? Yeah, he met an actress on this movie who became his fifth wife, and then he murdered her and then killed himself. Well, you wanted someone to die, Jordan.
1: Yeah, I I saw that in the IMDb trivia, and it was like a fun, like, did you know? The first thing I thought, though,
2: was this must be the second thing that Roddenberry's made where one of his leads killed his wife. We're not getting back into that again, are we? Dave, you know that Shatner probably killed his wife, right? (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah, that was very unfortunate that he did that. <laughs> Unproven.
2: <laughs> Luke doesn't want to get sued.
1: No, I read it I read it about it on the Internet.
2: Yeah, if it's not on the Internet.
0: All right, well, let, let's get into the movie, shall we? Because it, it starts off with a very sporty 70s taxicab pulling up in front of a very nice house. And there's,
2: like, harpsichord music playing.
0: This show's great because we get right into meeting the two leads and really filling out their characters right away. Because the first guy we meet is, of course, Dr. Hamilton, who is, uh, we come to learn, an alcoholic and a womanizer? Like, that's his his two defining character traits he gets?
2: I read that. I don't know how true it is. I read that they added that into his character because he had a drinking problem in real life and he was not getting through his scenes very well. So, like, let's just make the character an alcoholic as opposed to, I don't know, casting someone who isn't.
0: And Hamilton is coming to meet with his former partner, William Sebastian, who's invited him to this very, very nice house he owns, because he has
2: a, I guess, a mission he needs him for? Yeah, well, I didn't understand why he was showing up. Did they actually say the exact reason why he was coming to see Hamilton? It was something like he, he owed money or something, right?
1: This is something that I kind of ran throughout the whole film or show, which was that I didn't understand why a lot of things were happening, and a lot of... The things that were happening didn't make a lot of sense to me in the moment. Well,
0: I've got great news. I can tell you why he was there if you want to know.
1: Okay. He had received a telegram
0: from Sebastian, uh, Dr. Hamilton, or Ham as they like to call him, saying, only three words, I need you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I've sent that telegram.
0: (laughs) Because they used to be a criminal profiling team who used to investigate people like uh, not Marilyn Manson, but. Charles
2: Manson. <laughs> Charles
0: Manson. And uh, Robert Speck. So these guys are basically Netflix's mind hunters? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. With turtlenecks.
0: But they seem to have had some sort of falling out at some point, And I guess their fortunes haven't been great since they broke up. Um. Though you couldn't tell it from where Sebastian lives, his place looks amazing.
2: It's like a modern house as seen from the '70s. But I do have one question about the beginning. Of course, Magel Barrett's in it, uh, Ron Barry's wife. Is she doing an accent throughout the whole thing? And if so, what is the accent she's trying to do?
1: I don't know. I mean, I've I've never heard her speak in real life, but she does have this affected, this affected accent. Yeah, I think she's always had this kind of old Hollywood style voice.
0: I also didn't catch an accent. So
2: in the last scene, she shows up and she's either doing maybe Italian or maybe Southern American or she might have a speech impediment like a cleft palate sort of thing. Well, it is
0: a good question because they imply they don't aren't doing well, but he like lives. But Sebastian William Sebastian lives in this beautiful house. Uh, he has a maid named Lilith played by Gene Rotterbury's wife, who is some sort of witch
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. I think yeah. she's,
2: um, I think she's, it's that time in the mid seventies where there's a uh, focus and interest in the idea of the Eastern and the other and this sort of um, uh, mysticism. And I think she's supposed to be someone who's maybe in tune with that. Now, I don't know how well that's aged and how sensitive that portrayal is, but it, it, she's got some sort of, She you know, she likes uh, mixing potions.
1: So did you see that she gives Dr. Hamilton a beverage and he ends up having a very strong reaction to it? Did that scene imply that it was curing his alcoholism? Yeah, it's aversion therapy. Because after that, he doesn't want any drinks.
0: Yeah, no, when he when Dr. Hamilton walks in the house, he's met by Lilith the maid. She cuts his hair when he's not looking and then makes the potion out of that. And she's attempting to cure his alcoholism uh, via potion.
2: It's, it's aversion therapy. It's the same thing like people do when they... Um... You know, sometimes people put like a bad tasting thing on their fingernails. So when they bite their fingernails, it tastes bad and thus they don't want to do it. This is a weird version of that, which is I'm going to make you taste alcohol. It's going to taste really bad and thus you don't want it. Something to that effect or your mouth is full of your own hair. I'm not sure. But either way, he doesn't drink anymore.
1: Take that 12 steps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but
1: when
0: Ham's there, they get to talking and Sebastian Kind of explains to him since they, I guess, broke up as a criminal psychology duo, he's really gotten into paranormal investigations. And at some point he tracked down an actual like supernatural entity who he tried to, I don't know, form some sort of agreement with. Because he explains he backed out of the deal when the whatever it was wanted him to do something too vile for him to actually do. And since then, he's developed a scar on his chest.
2: It's the weirdest looking scar I think maybe I've ever seen. Dave, why don't you describe what the scar looks like?
1: Well, it kind of looks like something. It looked melty. You know, like it looked like a a chunk was taken out and around it was all kind of like shiny and melty looking like what it would have looked like in temple of doom after he pulled that guy's heart out. It was like that kind of scar.
0: That's a great description of it. It was really strange too, because he's talking about something that happened and then suddenly the character was pulling up his shirt and I'm like, why, why am I seeing his chest
2: suddenly? Can we just refer to it as his chest butthole from now on?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it acts up, right? Just like a chest butthole does. Oh Lord, this is off to a a (laughs) rollicking start. Uh, He kind of
0: explains, though, what's happened. They never use the term voodoo doll, but essentially Sebastian is convinced there's a voodoo doll out there somewhere that has a, basically, pin jammed through his heart, and he can kind of feel it twisting from time to time. So this scar, I guess, is indicating somewhere in this world, the demon he broke a deal with has jammed a needle into his voodoo doll.
2: I mean, that's what you need to know before you can really enjoy this movie, you know?
0: (laughs) But... In addition to that one problem, he's also invited him here because he's been asked to work on a case that, as he puts it, is so bizarre and so complex that only his old pal Ham can help him out with it. So that's why they're getting back together after all these years.
2: Mm -hmm. And I like that it's Ham Hamilton.
0: I know that it says that on IMDb, but I'm not sure if that's true or not. No, it's
2: not. I looked it up. It's, it's his nickname. His nickname's Ham. Why he's credited as Ham Hamilton makes no sense. But I like the idea that he was a child born and his parents said, you know what? Let's call him Ham.
0: Full name, Hamilton, Hamilton,
2: Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah.
0: The case they're working on is Anitra Sion wants them to come to london and investigate her brother jeffrey scion who she believes is under the influence of a supernatural evil but they're in america and they're talking about this case and as they're talking who should show up in america
2: all sexed up anitra by the way let me just say one thing before we we go on to this uh weird pseudo sexual scene i think roddenberry came up with the character names with this because he's terrible at character names of everything we've seen of all his pilots they're all his names. You're like, what? how do I pronounce this? How is this written? And there's every single person in this movie has a weird name, from Ham Hamilton to Anitra Scion.
0: Anyway, ba- back to old Anitra. She's shown up. She's there to tell Sebastian she wants to cancel the agreement they have. She no longer believes her brother is cursed. And, you know, as long as she's there, why doesn't she take him into his private study? They can do a little making out. They can have a good time. Uh, Dr. Hamilton should just wait
2: outside, though. The room they go to—that's his study, right? Because it's just full of artifacts. It looks like it looks like something Indiana Jones would have if he mm-hmm. didn't put everything in a museum.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's 500-year-old books in there. There's statues, Masks. And It's very large. Yeah, yeah, it's huge.
0: He's a real paranormal treasure hunter, this man. And that gets ladies going. It certainly gets this Anitra going. Uh, that is until Sebastian slaps a book to her chest. As i wrote it down the apocryphal book of tobit is what she he puts he presses it against her chest when she's not looking
2: okay i'm gonna make a weird little point here uh, and then we'll talk more about how she starts sizzling and screaming but they keep calling it the apocryphal book of tobit which is catholics and orthodox the book of tobit is included in the bible protestants don't have the book of tobit in it so it's like you can call it the apocryphal book of tobit but they're treating it as if it's this like ancient weird mysterious text that like you just open a catholic bible it's there oh. i did not know that yeah so it's just, it's just a weird thing it'd be like you know i don't know but proverbs they don't have proverbs they're like can you believe the book of proverbs just touched someone like i can't believe it anyways the point of this is they they wanted to have be mystical and it's gonna really burn up her uh her chest jordan that's why you're on the show you're an expert on all things christianity <laughs> i know ham hamilton but uh i know i know a thing or two about uh, apocryphal texts am i right is that an innuendo? I don't know. It just sounds like it might be something. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? That would be an innuendo on this show for sure. That's true. But Dave, describe what happens when you get a uh, the apocryphal Book of Tobit uh, smacked against your chest.
1: Well, like like you said, yeah, you start. Uh, there's some sizzling happening. Happening. There's some screaming happening, and then you know other people might eventually come into the room and have a like not shocked enough reaction to this this goings on.
0: I did like how the book stuck to her chest as if it were magnetized. Like she was not touching it. It is like stuck perfectly to her chest as she's screaming and burning. And it makes her evaporate. Eva- evaporate. It turns out she's some sort of succubus and not the real Anitra that someone has sent to stop him from coming
2: to London. Okay, so I got a question for both of you here. So in this world, the demon that we're going to find out it's the big bad guy in this he has made a succubus temptress demon to sex up William but for what purpose to delay him for 10 minutes (laughs) or is she going to kill him
0: when the succubus arrives she says she's there to cancel their agreement so I I think maybe they're hoping after he is post-coital he'll forget that he was looking into this at all
2: right right it just seems like a a long way to go like give her a dagger you know they
0: didn't want to draw that much attention
2: yeah you know what i take it back i don't know anything this demon's got it all going on i don't know anything about anything no it was a good plan yeah
0: roddenberry's plot
2: is flawless
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who am i to question roddenberry but yes this only entices them to come and uh dr hamilton now needs to find out what's going on since he's our like skeptic on the show i guess since he does it he doesn't believe in the supernatural and to a certain point just denies what he sees with his own eyes yeah He's a real scully after the X-Files movie when she literally
2: sees aliens and then has to keep walking around pretending she doesn't believe in them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give uh, credit here to uh, Ham Hamilton, though. Up to this point, he hasn't really seen that much. You might be able to explain where an evaporated lady might have gone to. But like later on, <laughs> later on, it gets more and more difficult.
0: They head off to the airport where they're catching a private jet to London piloted by the third Scion sibling. We
2: get one more Scion sibling... Mitri. I know. It's like these names. And it's played by John Hurt, a very very young John Hurt.
1: A real actor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. Ro- Robert Culp, who plays William Sebastian.
1: Yeah, he's got he's got star power. Yeah.
2: He was in Everyone's Second Favorite uh Bill Cosby show. <laughs> I Spy. That's right. But yes, uh young John Hurt
0: playing Mitri, he's flying them to London. It's a more or less uneventful flight except for some
2: brief demon-induced turbulence that hits the plane yeah and it doesn't go anywhere it's a waste of time the demon had a better strategy with the uh, with the succubus than the shake the plane
0: but once in London they're they're greeted by a private car to drive them to the scion house uh, you don't often see a female chauffeur but this is uh, this is a female chauffeur in this case she looks particularly creepy I thought but um, dr. Hamilton felt differently yeah. Well, Hamilton's a horn dog. Every woman he comes across. Did you Did you catch the line he said? No. What What did he say? When he saw her, he said, "She looks extraordinarily sensual."
1: There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that.
2: <laughs> I thought she looked like she had a terrible sense of humor. That's what I thought.
0: She kind of had like a stern school marm kind of look, but in a good way. In a good way? Yeah, in a good way, in a very sensual way. But before she can get them to Scion House, Sebastian needs to make a quick stop. He's going to go to uh, an old friend who owns a paranormal library at Merlin Muse. That's a good name for a place. Great address, by the way. Yeah. Great address. Merlin Muse, number
2: three. Yeah. (laughs) But when they arrive, they're a little too late. Yeah, so they arrive to find Dr. Qualis, and the place is on fire, and just like how they didn't seem that shocked at the woman evaporating. They're not acting as if everything is burning around them at all.
1: Yeah. They're not in a super hurry to get out of there. And yeah, it's, it's very surprising. It's like a, a trope in this movie of just people not really reacting in a way that makes any sense at all.
0: It's true. Cause they enter that house. It's burning. They go into a burning building. They know it's burning. There's a dead man on the floor who's been torn to pieces and a I was going to call it a pentagram, but they keep calling it a pentagol
1: drawn on the floor. But it's a pentagram. No, it's a pentagol. They're very clear. Oh, well. does anybody look up the difference between pentacle? They were saying pentacle, pentacle and pentagram. And if there is a difference,
0: I have no idea. I kept hearing that too. And I was just like, what? wait,
2: a what? I'm pretty sure he was trying to t- transport to another level in Doom. Am I right? Is that a reference that that works out for the video game nerds? <laughs> <laughs> he was getting to level four. Yeah, Exactly
0: but everything's not quite right in the house either because not only is it burning, not only is there a dead man on the floor, but something starts banging on a door and they have to get in the middle of the pentagram, pentagol, whatever it is, because a demon or some sort of monster obscured by smoke starts like growling and menacing them from a doorway.
2: And it's good that it's obscured by smoke because the bits you see don't look too good.
0: You don't think the costume work in this was top notch?
2: (laughs) Well, I'll just say, The last costume we get to see in this movie is my favorite, but this one one was pretty good, too. It it looks like they had five minutes to get a costume, and next door was not a costume store. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, But the whole scene kind of wraps up quickly. The monster doesn't get them. They're safe in the Pentagon, and then the fire department arrives and, I guess, scares the monster away. So, they immediately meet a new friend, or I guess an old friend. There's an Inspector Cabal there, who's I guess arrives with the fire department to investigate the death of the man who owned the paranormal library because there's been a string of murders of people by a man in a costume. I was confused as to how he knew a murder had already happened, but he's there. He's
2: given them <laughs> a lot of background about this string of murders going on by a madman. Luke, I'm assuming if you come to visit me and you go into my apartment and it's on fire and you see me laying on the ground in a classic pentacle. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. I would hope you at least would make some effort to drag me out. But they just leave their friend. They're like, we got the book, right? All right. See you later. <laughs> Jordan, I would 100% leave your body behind. Oh, but, but the flames. My God, the
1: flames. <laughs> I would drag you out of there. I know you don't like the idea of being desecrated. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've all learned something here.
0: There's one thing Jordan doesn't like the idea of, <laughs> it's being desecrated. No, he's not into it. It's the only thing. Only thing I'm not into. Essentially what we come to learn from this t- inspector who's who's investigating this string of murders is they all seem to have some connection to the Scion family business and that he can't really make any accusations against old Jeffrey Scion because he's too powerful and influential with the British government. So, you know, Signs are pointing to the family, but it's, you know, just more, more strangeness around this possible paranormal activity that uh, old Ham and Sebastian are here to solve. Mm-hmm. But finally, they make the trip off to Scion House, the uh, former abbey, looks exactly like Downton Abbey, in my opinion, that's been turned into their residence. And I got to say, as they pull up, one, the gate has a family Scion logo that's a big C, looks great. And two... There are burning torches at the front door of that building and I'm just like, that's a real aesthetic choice you're picking. Well, they're really
2: going for that sort of uh old world slightly creepy uh mansion thing. Actually, Luke, you know what it's very similar to is um the house they go to in Baffled.
0: That's a good point. And this movie has a lot is a lot like Baffled. Yeah. Roddenberry favorite Nemoy in that one. Also shot in England. That's true. An American goes to England to solve a mystery.
1: Mm-hmm. Was that house also full of erotic art? Uh,
0: Not as much erotic art, that's true. Because, yeah, you're right, they come inside and it's so much erotic art. And then the maids who greet them (laughs) are dressed in very drapey, silky, sexy like dresses, and they're very flirty. They're like 90s.
2: Yeah, let me just say, at this point, I knew it was a Roddenberry production. (laughs) And we've mentioned it before that as Roddenberry's career went on, His particular proclivities made themselves more and more evident. And I thought this was going to be all you kind of got a taste of it. Like he clearly has this idea about sexual subservience and how he thinks the uh, genders will interplay with one another. And I thought, okay, he's kind of doing a little here at the surface, but it's not until later on where we come to the scene in the bedroom where I was like, ah, that's the Roddenberry I know. (laughs) The Roddenberry you know and love Mm -hmm. sensually. I, don't, I wouldn't say I love him centrally, no. But if he said, hey, put on a nighty," I'd say, <laughs> how high? I don't know what I'd say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is kind of
0: what we're getting a sense of, is this house is a little debaucherous. Uh, the help is all young women, uh, very much there to be sexually appealing for some reason. It's very funny, Hamilton's there, they're looking at the art, and... He sees a box in a locked display case. I don't know how he knows that's the kind of box you hold a voodoo doll in, but he like doesn't hesitate. He has walked in
2: someone's house, and he just punches a window out with his fist. I actually didn't know that's what he was looking for. I, I, and, and to Dave's point, they don't explain why he's doing it. He just smashes it, and then almost no one reacts. Yeah. just Everyone's just like, oh, look, uh, an American broke our, broke our cabinet. Oh ho home dinner time.
1: That's my English accent, by the way.
2: It's just uh, the British way. It's just the British way.
0: It's uh, Americans. They're so crazy. Yeah,
1: it would be it would be rude to to comment on someone, you know, performing destruction of property in your home. <laughs> yeah.
2: The height of rudeness. Mm-hmm. But there's no, unfortunately, there's no voodoo doll in it. Uh,
0: but very shortly, they're joined by Jeffrey Sion, the brother that anitra asked them to come investigate and he's he's like escorting out like this man in military gear out of his office so i have no idea who his friends are it's crazy
2: i think you're just supposed to think he's a man of influence and power
1: yeah he's he's like a real mark zuckerberg
0: (laughs) i mean I, i imagine that's what mark zuckerberg's maids look
2: like too he'd say something though if you broke something in his cabinet though he'd be like hey guys Facebook, or whatever he says. I don't, I don't know <laughs> what he sounds like. What does he sound like? That's what he sounds like.
0: Yeah, that's, I think, hey, guys, Facebook is exactly <laughs> what he <says. laughs> What I kind of liked about this, though, he comes out. He knows apparently Sebastian and Hammer are coming. His sister's informed him she's hired a paranormal investigator to come investigate him for being possessed. He's just like, listen, I hold the purse strings around here. So well, I don't agree with you investigating me, I will be paying you. That is my job. I don't like it, but I got to pay you.
2: And he's just like, "What's it going to cost, Dave?" What, and what does he ask in, for payment? Do you remember?
1: No, I don't remember those kinds of details. Sorry.
2: <laughs> he, he... <laughs> Jordan, do you remember? I do. He's in the room, and they're like, uh, "They're like, how much is it going to cost?" And he's like, "You know what? I'll take that painting over there." And they're like, "That painting? Uh, that painting's like two hundred thousand pounds." He's like, "Sounds about right, baby." And then they're like, "You know what? A man of confidence. Let's give him that painting."
0: i mean that's sort of true because <laughs> no no that's exactly what happened no 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 because he says he'll give him that painting if he proves he's not a demon but ham hamilton's just like hey wait a minute i'm here to work let me negotiate he's just like i don't want that painting <laughs> oh that's right yeah yeah i want and i quote 150 thousand pounds for this job and the guy's like done <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah he's zuckerberg
0: what are the rates for a paranormal investigator that you can charge a pounds that's like the amount
2: of money they're throwing around for this job blew my mind do you think it's because they've already seen the damage he's done and the invoice they're going to give him like just for that glass he broke alone is going to just really cut into what they have to pay him it's a real ghostbuster situation where they take the money off of the job <laughs> oh how much do i wish this was ghostbusters
0: it had elements for a hot second here
2: <laughs> yeah that's true
0: never quite coalesces into the fun Supernatural comedy it could have
2: been though But don't worry, we get a dinner scene That's what everyone's uh, strapping themselves into the seats for An English dinner scene
0: <laughs> I know, it's it's a lavish dinner Very awkward family dinner It's Jeff, it's Anitra It's Mitri, the whole family's there To have dinner with their guests And it's kind of interesting Because Jeff starts talking about how Hey, listen, I am not possessed by a demon The problem here is my sister Is a prude and some men like to hide their proclivities, but not me. I've got these
2: lusty maids, and I just flaunt them anywhere I like. And do you think this is Roddenberry making a comment on his feelings on the world? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it's a good question. I haven't seen a thing where you investigate a demon where the demon's just
2: like, he covers up for being just like, no, I'm just horny all the time. I'm not a demon. <laughs> yeah. Also, I like that, th- that this was not explicitly like a slutty demon. Of all the demons to get. They didn't get the fun one. They got the slutty one. <laughs>
0: they go to raise a toast to their guests joining them. And um, Sebastian, I guess he's got a keen eye because he notices his wine glass is entirely full of glass shards.
2: <laughs> well, I think there's enough glass shards that anyone would have noticed because that, that that was a lot of glass that he uh, that he had in that drink. And again, Dave, to your point, if I was at a dinner party and my glass was full of broken shards, I would hope that the reaction would be more than, Oh yes, I guess our uh, glassware is just falling apart. Ho hum. Oopsie doopsie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and but that's barely anything compared to what happens like a minute later when uh, when an incantation is done in Latin, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, I think. so. Yeah. So tell us what happens then, because <laughs> that's another really inexplicable, strange thing. Dave,
0: did you yeah. not memorize the incantation for us? Have you got it written down there? <laughs> I was. I that was your job, Dave. We sent you a message. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I've, I've, got the, I've got the original Latin. I don't have the translation. Uh, so. Well,
0: see, you, you came through then. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: What he'll tell us later is he, he makes a toast, but what it really is is a classic curse against demons he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And as he does it, every member of the science family, the wine glasses they're holding just explode
2: in slow motion. You know what I love about this, though? It, it actually, in terms of effects, I thought that was a pretty good effect, but they're going to explain it in a couple scenes. And what we learn is that was such an attack on the demon that it made the demon's glass break. But so he didn't want to give himself away. He broke the other two people's glass too. And I was like, man, this demon is slick. <laughs> like he's he's quick thinking. I thought the same thing. I laughed
0: really hard when he was just like, the demon was thinking ahead and he covered up his tracks. I was like, ooh, good demon. Yeah, I know. Did you like though in this scene, they need to come up with a scientific reason for ham why all these glasses simultaneously exploded and the reason everyone in the room agrees is the glasses exploded due to a malfunction in the high frequency sonic waves they use to control the front gate
2: it makes sense to me
0: <laughs> i was like it's such a long way to walk so that ham
2: can remain slightly skeptical for slightly longer <laughs> Did he come up with an explanation for why that woman evaporated by being hit by the apocryphal text of Tobit? Was he like, oh, you had the humidifier on?
1: (laughs) That might have been better than just not getting mentioned ever again. Right, right.
0: Uh, But they do finally get to have a chat with Anitra to talk about, you know, her sort of telling him why they're there. She really needs them to look into this. This is kind of where the succubus does come back a little bit because Ham's just like, well, when we were in America, we saw a woman who looked a lot like you. You don't have a sister or a cousin or something." And Anitra looks at him and she's just like, oh, you saw someone who looked like me? But was she prettier and more desirable and not a spinster like
2: myself? (laughs) I'm just like, this woman has serious self-esteem issues. Well, it is funny because obviously the actress they cast is not ugly by any measure. I think all they've done is her hair has been put up in a bun that's about as much as they can do to make her unattractive and every scene she's in she basically has to mention she's like did i mention that i'm pretty unattractive and they're like i guess you are except for ham because he's like he's he's ready to go oh yeah ham's into it he he gets flirting
0: real quick as soon as he notices she has low self-esteem he's really (laughs) into her that is true that's his mo But they get escorted kind of around the house by Brother Mitri, who's kind of explaining to them that the Abbey was recently rebuilt like three years ago, basically from the ground up. They just basically kept the structure, redid it so the rich family can live there. And as they're kind of walking around getting this tour, one of the maids like lightly bumps into (laughs) Old Ham and he falls straight through like there's a railing on the second floor. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Seems to have been rotted out. I don't know how that could have happened
2: no one seems shocked by that like he's literally hanging off the balcony almost falling to his death they're like sorry about that old chum Uh, i guess we had a little bit of rot
1: yeah and she doesn't help or anything she just kind of stands there and looks looks on i'm blown away by old
0: sebastian and ham glass in your wine you're like pushed off. like you're clearly
2: not welcome there go get a hotel would a hotel have the room that Ham's going to get in a couple minutes?
0: <laughs> that is true. Uh, we'll get into that. But let's, I want to talk really quickly about this abbey because they kind of give us, in the next kind of couple scenes, we get a, like a background to the whole thing. But apparently while they were doing the renovations to the old abbey for this house, they found an old druid burn pit. And what kind of... They've figured out, or what Anitra thinks is, or how she's seen it happen, is Sebastian seems to have released a demon that was bound there for 2,000 years. And that demon, we come to learn, is named Asmatius. Asmatius. Asmatius?
2: Yeah, I think it's Asmatius.
0: Dave, what's your opinion?
1: Asmatius. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and of course, he's the lord of corruption. What else would he be? He also represents lust. <laughs> well it's a lusty show and i guess anytime sebastian says his name uh like wind blows and fires flare up but if ham says it, nothing happens because he doesn't have a um
2: butthole in his chest what did we say we wanted to call it oh my god
1: yeah butthole yeah jordan is this is that character in the in the bible
2: uh, he, it's apparently in the book of tobit the catholic bible dave so the answer is no it's not in the bible <laughs> <laughs> He's, apparently, I, I looked it up. Apparently, he is a demon that shows up in the Book of Tobit. But I'm not familiar with it. Okay. But, Jordan, as you wanted to discuss,
0: it's time for bed. And as Mitri says, I hope you like waterbeds.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Um, uh, and I have a question for both of you. Did either of you or anyone in your family ever have a waterbed?
1: Uh, yeah, not in, not in my family. But my best friend's older brother had a waterbed in uh, in his house. And I think that house may have actually been haunted.
2: Oh, spooky. <laughs> Maybe there's a connection. It's like a serial killers and uh bed wedding, waterbeds and haunted houses. Well
1: what's what's the production reason or story reason for, for the waterbed to be mentioned at all? Is there it like it wouldn't be cheaper to to do that?
0: It is solely because Gene Rodberry thinks it's sexy, I think. <laughs> I agree with Luke. I think it's just it's sexier.
1: I mean, it's pretty sexy. I'm going to go back to waterbeds
0: for one second because I'd be remiss if I didn't I didn't tell you my waterbed story. <laughs> <laughs> if only because it relates to former guest and my cousin, Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. When we were growing up, his entire family had waterbeds. So my only connection to waterbeds was when I went to visit his house. Everyone had a waterbed and all I wanted to do was jump on them.
2: I remember weirdly being in... Uh, my aunt and uncle's basement and my cousin who no li- longer lived there uh, must've been living at the basement at some point. So there was a waterbed down there and me and my brother were just playing down there. And what I remember is apropos of nothing. My uncle came down the stairs with a pair of scissors and poked the waterbed and it started leaking. And then he just went up back upstairs with no comment. What was that about? What the fuck? I know I should ask him.
1: That sounds like some sort of allegory that's in your memory and it like it represents something. Yeah, I don't know. But that that's not actually that's not actually what happened. Like it's like it's like you're remembering like a circumcision or something. <laughs> uh, also, are waterbeds heated? Are they hot? No. Mm, they're not they're hot. Maybe. I maybe. For some reason something makes me think that they're like warm water. But uh don't don't quote me on that.
0: I think you actually might be right. Thinking back cuz uh, my cousin lived in Saskatoon it is not warm there. So they must have been heated because that would have been unbearable to sleep on. Can you text him and find out? Yeah, I'll text him. I'll text him right now. And <laughs> later in the
1: show, I'll give you an update. That'll be a little teaser for the end of the show. Here's the question, though. So we know that
2: all the places or all the rooms, I should say, in the the mansion, this haunted house have water beds, But for some reason, they've only renovated one room in the style of the classical sense and one room they've done in 1970s porn. David, describe the bedroom that
0: Ham is sleeping in with this water bed.
1: Well, okay. So what what this bedroom reminded me of a lot was there's a scene in Goodfellas where it's near the end and when Henry Hill and his wife have a lot of money and they've renovated their house to kind of like peak 70s modernism. And there's a lot of stuff where it's like there's a remote control and when you press a button on the remote control like a rock wall opens up and there's like a bar behind it. So this room reminded me of that cuz it has that kind of thing where there's, you know, hidden things behind walls. There's remotes where you can kind of turn on sexy music if that's or in sexy mood lighting if that's your kind of thing. So all in all it was a pretty cool room.
2: I like the remote control that you pressed that for some reason just a bookshelf came up with books (laughs) books with sex positions. Maybe that's what it was. I assumed it was just, you know, dictionaries.
0: Well, kind of what happens here is ham goes to bed in his waterbed. And at some point in the night, he wakes up and there is a nude maid sleeping next to him. She does at some point touch the uh, control panel, bring up the bookcase and the porno music. Ham pulls out a book full of sex positions. She's like, do you want to try that one? What about this one? And as they're talking, two more women enter the room one dressed as a, like, sexy
2: shepherdess, and one dressed as, like, Elsa the SS Wolf Queen? <laughs> what a reference. Um, but yes, this is the other scene I thought that uh, uh, is a little tip to uh, Roddenberry. He must have some sort of domination with a woman with a whip in it, and he's got it. He's got it in again.
0: Yeah, David, you don't know this, but we watched, I think I it was Earth 2, and the entire plot of it was it was a women, it was a society dominated by women who were very aggressive toward men and it was very like clearly someone's fantasy so this sequence here again is like one very dominant woman walks in who is going to potentially whip hamilton though they do break it up because that uh that woman dressed as like a shepherd herder when she comes in she uh she stops at the bar and she turns to hamilton and says would daddy like a dwinky. <laughs>
2: <laughs> one more time. Can Luke, can you just do that line one more time for me?
0: I was just about to ask him to say it again. <laughs> you guys, you're gonna have to listen to the podcast to uh, get that fix again.
1: That's my new ringtone.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just like, it's a crazy scene. It's just like, just so insanely porno music's playing. Scantily clad women are everywhere. Hamilton is just con or Hamilton. Ham is just confused as crazy. And then Sebastian walks in and he's like, Hey, yo, I found some druid runes out back. You want to go check them out?
2: Yeah, and that's it. And the scene's over. There's no consequence. There's no purpose. It doesn't affect the plot at all, other than just overlaying this idea of these um sexual nymphs that that happen to live in this house. But it's just like Oh, yeah, guys. Enough of that. That was fun, right? Let's uh, back onto the plot.
0: They head out to, like, it's it's a classic Stonehenge. That's kind of what it looks like. It's uh, these, these are the druid runes, but they go out there. The wind, I guess, as it blows through, it sounds like people screaming, and then a couple dogs kind of attack them. And is that Jeff, the owner of the house who chases us away, Jeff Sion, or is that just some random guy who's walking two dogs? It was Jeff. All right, good. I, could, I couldn't I could tell. I didn't recognize him well enough. But they're kind of chased off from the runes, head back to the house where it's got to be f- five in the morning. Like they just woke up from sleep by those three women to check out these runes. And like a party is ending. Like the house is full of people.
2: Yeah, I think there's some um, time issues with this movie because not only there's a whole bunch like actually right before this. It seems to be still the middle of the night when Ham wakes up. But then when William looks through the window to show him the ruins, it looks like it's like two in the afternoon and then they go out again and it's dusk and then they come back and a party's been raging all night. And you're just like, my assumption is time operates a little different here at the, uh, the Scion mansion.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the worst part of this movie.
2: That's not (laughs) the worst part of it. Come on. The time,
0: the time problems. It's the worst thing about it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Everything else is perfect. It's just the issue with time, Dave. You told me off the air the worst part for you is that you didn't get to see more of that chest butthole.
1: Remember, you said that. I got a screen cap though, so I can I can check it out anytime I want. <laughs> <laughs> but this party is
0: apropos of nothing. They walk through it, get in a car, and head back to the crime scene at Merlin Muse, where we're treated to a like stock footage drive through London, where quite clearly someone watched a cut of this and was just like i don't understand what's happening so just like exposition dialogue is laid over this montage of driving where they're explaining oh we have to go back to the crime scene because i took that book from it and we need to talk to the inspector about the book i stole from the crime scene i, I believe ham at some point says you should have taken that book they treat evidence very seriously here <laughs> yeah. i was just like as opposed to where what's the specter's name
2: callus callus no cable i believe Cabal? Cable? cable Cable. it's unclear what the dynamic uh i think they're trying to do with him and and uh william because it seems like they're sort of like somewhat adversarial but also maybe respectful of each other but i don't know if it entirely lands because you just get a lot of scenes where they're kind of saying biting things to each other but then they're like all right, well, we're getting along.
0: Yeah, there's some implication they knew each other from their criminal profiling days, but it's never clear. And, like, when he gives back this diary, I guess, to to the inspector, they want him to read it because it basically explains how the scion house is related to Azimatius and how Azimadeus can ch- cause people to change shapes via dark rituals involving sexual release. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not clear how this inspector is going to be convinced by this diary that this is what's happening in the house. But they're there. Se- Sebastian's convinced it's going to convince him whatever's in this diary.
2: Well, Luke, I'll tell you how he'll convince him. He mentions he translated it all.
0: It's true. Whatever language it was in would not have convinced the inspector the first time. But now that it's in English. Yeah, that's it. The inspector knows. <laughs> but they do reveal another piece of information that he kind of needs to know to the inspector is that is the demon is only able to take human form of a person who has died, but no one has found the body. So I guess we're we're left with this idea that someone in the Cyan family is Azimadeus, but we don't know who because we haven't found the body
2: yet. Oh, is that right? I, I think I missed that. Like, I understand now how that works into later the movie, but I didn't catch that line.
0: Yeah, that's that was sort of brought up in this scene. I'm like, ah, I see. I see the mystery we're trying to start unraveling here, though it's it's... It seems like every scene, they like add a little bit of new information they probably could have had earlier. Like, it doesn't feel like it's commenting more. It just feels like it's getting more complicated.
2: I agree. And it's actually an interesting point in terms of the structure of this show. If you just read the plot of this, as I'm sure you can on Wikipedia or, or wherever, it's actually a pretty straightforward plot. But when you watch the movie, you're left more confused than not, or at least I was. And I think it's the way... They build on information and and when they tell the viewer because they're trying to make it more mysterious than it is so a lot of times you're like and why is this person saying this now and why are they acting this way and it's all supposed to be mysterious but i think you're maybe i'm wrong but i just kind of felt more confused as we went it feels like you should be solving a mystery
0: the mystery of who is the demon but it seems like sebastian already knows all the information he's just parsing out to the viewer over long periods like it's like he knew that's how Azmatideus took form. Why are we finding out forty minutes it? Like it right. It doesn't feel like you're on a journey learning answers to clues. It feels like you're just being told information at random intervals, right. For instance, like the next scene is they go they just go back to Scion house, hang out with Mitri, the brother, playing piano. He tells them about how Jeff's such a good brother because he tripled the family fortune. And then Jeff walks in and says,
2: are you telling them I'm a demon? And he like (laughs) open hand slaps me. (laughs) I I like that, though, that they they have um, a John Hurt's character, uh, Mitzi or whatever his name is. (laughs) And he's like, uh, he's like, he's really helped the business. It's almost like an otherworldly ability he has. But I'm not saying he's a demon. And then the the brother comes in and just slaps him. And it's just that like, it's almost like a cartoon scene where he just walks with his tail between his legs off the scene.
0: (laughs) Well, that's it. He leaves the scene and while he's off camera, you just hear a scream and some sort of demon has attacked
2: him and scratched his face. And there's like a dead dog in a tree. (laughs) Isn't that funny though? Of all the scenes to, to see, we've just watched for my count. It was about 13 minutes of watching him play the piano. And then the exciting scene of a monster attacking the guy is done off camera and confusing because I didn't know until after you hear all these screams, you're like, what happened? And the characters go outside and there's a dog in a tree. And I'm like, did the dog fall into a tree? Did the other dog throw him in the tree? And then later on, they're like, no, 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 it it has nothing to do with the dog. So he was attacked by a monster. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It is true. And like, at this point,
0: to your point about information, sebastian out of nowhere is just like it must have been one of azimates disciples i'm like wait he has disciples now (laughs) yeah i
2: think one of them might have been the dog in the tree
0: (laughs) but this kind of prompts them to go take another look at that uh, druid runes the stone hedge behind the house this time they're not interrupted so they find like a rag under one of the stones and when they move that stone it leads to a like old staircase into caverns underneath the entire abbey all you really
2: need them to do in this scene is walk down the staircase and get to where they're going because they go through I don't know 35 rooms and nothing really happens in any of these rooms they show up they're like <laughs> interesting I see uh, I see there's walls in this one and they go to the next one they're like, hmm, uneven floor and then finally after like room after room they go ah, we're into the tomb I was like, guys, it's not that exciting to watch these characters walk down staircases.
0: It's true I actually have notes on that here they get down there. Pillars of flame are shooting out of the ground. And they don't react. They <laughs> couldn't care less. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think someone tries to explain it, it's like, yeah, that's normal. Like they try to like explain it away. And I was just like, I don't, I don't understand what your explanation is. How are flames shooting out of the ground?
2: They also at one part are walking by and they just come across like one of the maid's dresses. And they're like, huh, must be one of the dresses. Anyway, down the staircase. <laughs> and they find like old skeletons, which have been
0: there for centuries. But then they also find... A worker's body from when they did the Renovations three years ago they're like yeah that looks Like one of the workers who probably did renovations here I wonder how his body got down here I'm like You guys what what
1: <laughs> Well you're not You're not in the field that they're in I mean he's a, he's a Supernatural <laughs> investigator I mean Sebastian sees this kind of stuff all the time it's not that weird to him
2: what i think it is is he's only interested in the paranormal so if he sees what might have just been like a a, like a workplace health and safety entry he's like not interested doesn't look like a demon killed this guy (laughs) this was just a workplace
0: accident i don't need to call anyone yeah exactly at any rate as you said jordan after a lot of wandering around they get to the uh sort of chamber that Azimatius had been held in the doors have like seemed to have been blown open from the inside like they're They keep telling us they're very heavy doors. There's no way anyone could have blasted them off their hinges like this. And they also find half of a golden seal, which uh, they figure was holding Asmatis in there because it's got the prayers of a hundred forgotten gods
2: written on it. Yeah, I I didn't really understand what that meant or what it was, but if there's one thing that holds in a lust demon, (laughs) that's what it is.
0: There's all kinds of symbols on the walls, and uh, as Hamilton says as he touches them, Can a symbol feel evil?
2: (laughs) I know. I think later on, he also, he's walking by. He's like, can you hear evil? And then later on, remember later, he's he's like, do you guys smell that? Smells evil. (laughs) (laughs) This
0: chicken tastes a little evil tonight.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I can say they call the place uh, where they finally, after they go through all those hallways, they walk in, they go, this is the secret place, his own black cathedral.
0: It's true, and I should make a note here because this is important to the plot later. But while they are doing the renovations, they also built a staircase directly
2: down to the chamber from the house. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> they've done a lot of work at this place. That's why everything's falling apart because they did it too quickly. It's all shoddy craftsmanship.
1: Yeah, it was not OSHA approved. <laughs> um, but they enter this
0: chamber. They like find a sacrificial altar. There's a maid hung upside down
2: from a wall laughing maniacally. She won't stop. It's so annoying. If I was down there, I'd be like, I get it. I get it. Enough.
0: <laughs> and then they're attacked by a caveman?
2: <laughs> I wrote wolfman slash caveman. Dave, where do you fall this? Wolfman or caveman? No, no, he's a wolfman. Oh, so Dave, uh, <laughs> Dave thinks he's a wolfman. Luke, you think he's a caveman. I think he's a wolfman-caveman hybrid, meaning one of his parents was a caveman. One of his parents was a wolf man and that's what you get <laughs> a really bad looking uh hairy costume mm-hmm. but sebastian of course tells us
0: this is this is one of azabadeus's disciples in their transformation form who's come to menace them of course they're able to use ha- that half a seal to like ward it off so they can a- escape out of these caves of course we haven't mentioned this too much but over the course of this movie that stab wound from the voodoo doll that old uh, Sebastian has every now and then, I guess somewhere off screen, someone's twist twist the needle in. So occasionally he gets weak and feels quite, quite sickly. And as he comes back up to the scion house, he's like, oh, I-, I don't feel so good. I think someone's like twisting that needle around. Ham, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go into London. I need you to get a bunch of jewelers a prize, some uh, communion wine, some holy water. We're going to have to get together. we got to go out there. We have to find Azimandius' high priest, and we have to stop him because he's the most powerful of them all. And I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. There's a high priest now. Yeah, because why not, right? They just constantly are just like layering on new information at
2: random points. But, but I'll tell you why. the uh, The reason they did it is because you, as a viewer, are supposed to be so engrossed and into this movie that the whole time you're going, who could who could the demon be? Which of the people is it? Is it uh, Mitzi? Is it Bitsy? <laughs> is it whoever these these uh, characters are? And then they throw this uh, this curveball at you, and they go, "There's two. There's going to be two bad guys, and now you don't know." I mean,
0: the priest is the most dangerous, they say, and can turn into a cat man. So, you know, look out
2: for that. (laughs) I was really hoping we would just get a scene where he just turned into like a really innocuous little kitty and it's just like rolling around.
0: But all this, this whole talk about like, this is what we're facing. I'm feeling weak because of this stab wound I have in my chest. I need you, Ham, to go to London and get these supplies. It's the only thing that can stop us, can stop them. And I thought for sure this was leading up to a scene where you know, Sebastian is left alone at the Scion house and he is endangered because Ham isn't there to protect him because he's had to go to town. We hard cut and it's just Ham getting back from London with the supplies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't understand. Like, why set up the whole stakes of like, I can't come with you. I must stay here. It's all up to you. And then like, hard cut. I'm back. I got the the grocery bags. Are you okay?
1: Yeah. A a bunch of the things in this movie feel like a story being made up as it goes along without much thought as to why. So th- I feel like that's, like, yet another instance of them just just going with something. It
2: does feel like it kind of is being made up as you go along. They have all these things that uh, Ham's gotta go get, and he gets it really easily. But what I like is, right after this, we have uh, William smelting a bullet in his room. I don't know, of all the things I'm supposed to believe in this movie, I don't know where he's got a, like, 800 degree oven that's making a bullet in his room. But he's doing it like, like it's no big deal. And he's only making one bullet too.
1: And he does like a really bad job of it. He's spilling the metal everywhere. and uh, you know, That's can-
2: precious precious metal. I think he mentions that he took it from a cross that's like 500 years old or something and he's like, ooh. I'm like, well don't give it to Michael J. Fox to have him do it. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> that was for Dave. That was for Dave. Suck it, Michael J. Fox. He's a Canadian treasure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but I do like... He comes back from London and when he gets back to Scion
2: House, there's a full-blown orgy going on. (laughs) It really is. And this is the scene we talked about. This is like one of like the three overt scenes where people are just like getting it on.
0: Yeah, he walks in, people are just making out with the maids. There's just like dozens of people there. And even more bizarre, like, Ham walks into this. He just walks to the front door. There is at least the beginnings of an orgy going on. One of the maids comes up to him takes his coat, and he just leans in and kisses her full on the lips and then walks away.
2: (laughs) Well, you know what? He's being polite. He doesn't want to partake, but he doesn't also want to be insulting,
1: you know? It's a good move.
0: As he's walking to the party, both the brothers stop him and are like, oh yeah, by the way, our sister Nitra? I don't know, she's missing or something. Who knows? Got an orgy going on. She was ugly anyway. (laughs) Just another piece of random information, like, why why does she have to be missing? Like, I don't understand.
2: They could have had this, this could be to restructure the plot that she was missing from the beginning. And that's the investigation they're having. And while they're investigating her disappearance, they come across this larger story of demons and stuff. As opposed to, I don't know, with like 15 minutes left in the movie go, oh yeah, by the way, sis, she's gone. Yeah, exactly. It's just like the weirdest addendum to the plot at the
0: end. Because they basically grab their gold bullet. They head back down to the catacombs because, you know, it's time to take on old Azimatius. They head down to the chamber they were just in with the blown open doors. And Sebastian fumbles the golden bullet and it rolls under one of the doors. So they're like, oh, I guess we got to move this door we didn't move
2: earlier. He literally has one bullet and he can't uh, keep track of it.
0: And what's, what's behind the
1: door? What's behind door number one, David? Well, is that the door that there's, there's a gentleman behind there? There is. Yeah, he's there's a dead gentleman and he's hanging on to that other half of of the very special crest, uh medallion that's that's going that's going to protect them as we were told.
0: Exactly. It is it is the body of brother Mitri. I guess he's the one who broke the seal on the door and when the door's exploded open it just crushed him behind the door. So we we get to see a dead John Hurt for a hot second.
2: What an embarrassing death, huh? Opening a door.
0: (laughs) It was, I did laugh. I was just like, that's actually very funny just to like move the door and be like, oh, there's that missing body that Azimatius took over. It's Mitri.
2: What he looks like is uh, uh, like if you saw like a Looney Tunes and like Wiley Coyote got smashed against a wall or something, that's what he looks like.
0: So they head into the chamber and they sort of, I guess, hide because they're, I I don't know, they're going to get the drop on Azimatius or something chanting starts happening and like all the party goes upstairs they've changed into their best robes <laughs> yeah. they're coming down mitri's there we know he's the demon now he's got the nicest robes on so that's how you can tell he's their leader and mixed amongst the partygoers now is inspector cobble he's there too apparently he's been involved
2: he's been on the inside of the demon
0: track the whole time he's a
2: bad guy I didn't recognize he was there till they actually said it in, I don't know, five ten minutes from now, and they're like, "Oh, it's the inspector." Even before they all start turning into um, low grade Klingons.
0: I mean, that's true. We're starting to see them transform with Asmadi's powers, and they all kind of just have like proto Klingon foreheads on them. They look very bumpy and a little tumorous, but it just it's it's it does look Star Trekky,
2: but worse. Do you think the demon has made them permanently have those foreheads? Or is it just when they're downstairs in layer 45?
0: It's just when you have sexual release, Jordan.
2: <laughs> oh, oh! so the forehead afterwards, the forehead just kind of like goes tsss and just like sinks back?
1: Yeah, at least for 20 minutes or so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> They've got Anitra. She's all tied
0: up. They're putting her on the sacrificial altar because it's time to reveal who the high priest is. And you'll never guess it. It's old Jeffrey. Uh, they were wrong about him being the demon, but he is still a demon worshiper. He comes in. Mitri is really talking him up. He's the demon. He's like, you're my Give me my high priest. You're my you're my guy. You're my guy. Let me turn you into a cat real quick. And then you kill your <laughs> sister. I love
2: just, let me turn you into a cat real quick.
0: We get like a metamorphosis scene, like a real anamorphs moment where he becomes a cat man.
2: You kind of get uh, glimpses of him as he's taking an axe and stuff. But you don't get, I wanted like a full body... Catman shot. Did you like
0: that for whatever reason the high priest gets two little
2: people in robes to follow him around that we've never seen before? It it actually is one of these things where your first reaction is that's kind of funny and the second reaction is it's just not aged well right it's that you could just see the the issue of like wouldn't it be hilarious if you had little people and they'll just kind of jump around and stuff and it's like alright guys uh, let's not do that.
1: There's another Roddenberry thing where there's, there's little people kind of screaming, and causing a scene, which is the first episode of Next Generation. Oh,
2: that's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that scene with Q, there's, you know, the like, little people screaming and it's just kind of like a scene of kind of oddballs and freaks and weirdos. And is that maybe Roddenberry shorthand for there's crazy zany stuff going on, freaky stuff? this would make two cases of, like,
0: actually, I think you make a really good point. Cause that is very much the like manner of this scene as well. Like it's very similar to that TNG scene.
2: Either way, it's a bad time down at uh, uh, the dark dungeon. Cause uh, what's her face? Uh, what's her name, Susie, Susie Q. She's uh, it looks like her brother's gonna, gonna hack at her with a, with a ax.
0: Yes, it's, it's time for her execution so he can become the full priest of Azimatius. This is when things get a little rowdy because this is where they start intercutting breasts suddenly into the movie. Um, my favorite part of this, though, is there's like lots of cutaways to close-ups of the maid's breasts. And then they cut back to Hamilton. And his quote is, Incredible and fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not a
2: review that was on the poster for this movie
0: <laughs> at any rate uh as jeff's going to kill his sister he realizes he can't do it i guess jeff isn't as evil as as he's been portrayed he refuses Azimatius, and uh at this point he's stripped of his cat form and uh, you know Azimadeus is not surprised apparently because he turns to the corner where sebastian's hiding and says hey sebastian why don't you why don't you come on out here Uh, I've got your voodoo doll. I'm going to pull the pin out of your heart. Why don't you come and be my high priest? I've been waiting for you. Like there's a real turn here where suddenly as a Mattias, was this all a ploy to bring Sebastian here to make him the
1: high priest? Yes.
2: I like that. uh, William seems to know what the drill is. Like he walks out and just like puts his arms out knowing that someone's going to put a robe on him. (laughs) Like I'd have been all awkward about it. I'd be like, do do I go, do I go to the front or do I? Who, who do, where do I stand? But he's—he seems to be all in right away. Like its maybe it's because he read that diary. Yeah,
0: like he gets the robe put on him. He calls Azimatius his lord. You know, he gets the voodoo doll, so he now no longer has that stab in his chest. I believe. I believe they cut away to his bare chest again, and the uh, the scar on it disappears. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good look. I think he
2: should have kept it. <laughs>
0: this sequence is interesting to me in that you know he gets the axe. It looks like he's going to kill a Nitra. I mean, we we'd pretty much know he won't. But this could have been a moment where we know he had a deal with some sort of demon that he turned down. Why isn't this a scene of actual temptation where Ham has to save him? But what happens is Ham just stands in the room like slackjawed. He's just letting it all happen. He does nothing. He has no activity. It only ends because it's all a fake-out by Sebastian. But it seemed like the opportunity for, like the last temptation of Sebastian and for Hamilton to, you know, why he needed Hamilton was to save him from temptation. But all Hamilton does is just stand in the corner, like slack jawed, staring at the scene.
1: See, like throughout this, we seem to be writing what would have been a more sensical, <laughs> better version of this movie. Like, here's what would have made sense. Here's what would have been good. Cause Hamilton pretty much exists for Sebastian to give exposition to and explain what's happening. And in his knowledge of the paranormal and stuff, because he's as a, he's not really an active participant in the story too, too much.
0: No, you're absolutely right. He is incredibly, pa- like, it's such a strange sidekick to have one who's so passive.
2: But I'll give this for him. One, he likes a drink. Two, he likes ladies. And three, uh, I said the thing about the ladies, right? <laughs> what else does he got? <laughs>
1: let do ladies again.
2: That's how much she likes ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but yes,
0: it's, it's all a fake out by Sebastian. He throws some holy water at Asmatius, frees in Nitra. He, like, gets the seal and puts it together and, like, menaces old Asmatius with it. At which point, f- he throws it into a flaming pit that has appeared in the in the chamber. At which point, the f- flames from the pit
2: transform Asmatius. And this was one of my favorite. Parts of it because what's going to happen right after this is one of the worst choppiest poorest directed action scenes I've seen in a long time I have no idea what's happening but right before that is somehow throwing that discus prayer discus thing into the into the fire it turns as into what looks like a green version of like Barney the dinosaur <laughs> that's a good description he's just like
0: a like a bad stop motion lizard man or something but he doesn't even look that
2: threatening. Like he looks kind of cute.
1: Oh, did you know that the lizard man's like on the cover of the? I don't know if it's the VHS or DVD release. One of the one of the pictures. Oh, is that right? Really? Yeah. They really yeah. were selling it on that. Well, yeah, when I was looking this up, I was looking on Google Images, and it was that was right there on the cover, and I was just like, "What is this thing? I'm going to watch." And I was waiting for it the whole movie, and it didn't show up until the till the very end.
0: It's so funny. It looked like it had so much promise, but it does feel like perhaps the effect didn't... like. It felt like they couldn't show it for more than two or three frames before they cut away. I wonder if just like the effect they were going for just did not work at all, and they were just forced to constantly just show glimpses of it.
1: Jaws style. Oh, I don't think this is Jaws style. <laughs> no, it's, J- it's Jaws style.
2: <laughs> it's just... But you you're, you're guys are right. It's so choppy and so hard to see. It must be because it, you know, of how bad it looks, because... The sequence we get is, you know, intercut of the lizard flames fighting and like images on the walls and it's all intercut together in this scrambly sort of fight. But what I like is it's really, you know, the pandemonium that happens after a Williams like I'm not going to be a bad guy, but everyone sort of just like freaks out like they don't seem to like there's fighting, but they I don't know, somehow they can just easily untie what's-her-face and just get out. Like, no, there doesn't seem to actually be any obstacles to what's happening. Yeah, this is a mess. I-,
0: I will tell you as best as I could interpret it when I was trying to watch it to figure out what was going on. Like, it's chaos. Like, the cultists are going insane. Some are fighting. Some are making out. Jeff, who is the older brother who defied Asimadius, he seems to grab a stick and fight off the cultists Well, Ham and Sebastian and in need run away. And like Sebastian gets a shot off. I think he shoots the guy with a like he shoots the demon with the gold bullet. And then the entire place like caves in killing Jeff, killing all the cultists. And we hard cut away from this back to America. It is who knows how many days later. But Ham and Sebastian are back at his house. They're just hanging out with Lilith, the maid and looking at newspapers with some crazy headlines. What were the headlines? Do you write them down? i did the first headline in the newspaper was fire destroy scion house party goers and treasure perish
2: <laughs> i'm glad they got the treasure in
0: and the second headline party goers perish in holocaust yeah i remember that now <laughs> now that you've said it <laughs> wild headlines but essentially sebastian explains that hey we did it we won the day but let's not get too comfortable we didn't actually destroy azabadius and i have a feeling He'll be back later for more adventures. Next week.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, Who would have thought that that was going to be the big bad guy they set up as like for the rest of the series? I'm like, this guy? Old dinosaur boy?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, hopefully they get that effect worked out if they ever got that series to go to air. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But in sort of a mirror of the opening of the show when they're at Sebastian's house, Anitra drops by again. But uh, this time she's probably not a succubus. But now she's attractive because she has her hair down that's right she's come by to thank them for all their help in the uk she's got a painting for sebastian not the one from the house because that was destroyed in the fire but a very similar painting to that one as sort of i guess a thank you gift for helping kill her brother
1: brothers sorry plural it's still a sexy painting it's the it's a different sexy painting
0: and she says to ham oh i forgot to bring you a gift perhaps we could go into sebastian's study and i could think of something to thank you with and Those two sneak off to have sex in his study.
1: I wasn't like part of me thought, did they go into that room and he was going to put the book in her chest and kill her, too? Because you just hear a bunch of crazy sounds from that room, right?
0: Well, and I think Sebastian yells out loud. He's just like, don't forget about the book of Tobit if you need it. He doesn't, though. He has whiskey. I actually think there's another quote, too, when they disappear. I think Sebastian turns to Lilith, his maid, and says, quote, should be an interesting session in there.
2: It is funny how you see um, how the sexual dynamics are portrayed uh, in these movies. And Luke, this is, you know, a well we've gone down many times, you know, watching these types of shows. But it is funny how a lot of times women are just these the way they're portrayed in these movies is just like just a sexual object just for this gross old guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, this like it's not like there was no connection between these two. And the fact that she just shows up, she's like, I came to have sex with you, Ham. and I'm like,
2: Why? You guys barely talked she liked the way he showed his masculinity by almost falling off the uh off the banister earlier
1: <laughs> yeah like it is pitched as like well I, I i guess here's your gift then like this is what else i have to give um yeah yeah really evocative of of the 70s and how women were portrayed for sure <laughs> it's
0: it's very true
2: pretty cool
1: very yeah very cool the 70s were very cool
2: you guys did see those water beds right <laughs>
0: And the entire sort of movie wraps up with uh, Sebastian. He's looking at the new painting he got. As the camera zooms in closer, he notices hidden amongst the painting's, I guess, brushstrokes, is the logo of
2: Azimatius, a big letter A. And then we get this wonderful shot of everything sort of fades off into the into the background, and it's just a prominent A. And, and you're like, oh, oh wow. And, and then that's the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think it should have had a the end question mark. That's, that is good. <laughs> that is good.
0: We we're running a great version of the Specter show. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I don't know if you guys
0: have any final notes. I, I have a couple things I wanted to bring up before we wrap this up, though. One, I just wanted to say the director of this TV movie is surprisingly notable. Oh, yeah. What did he do? hes I believe he's a British director, but he, he directed Woody Allen's first ever produced screenplay, What's Up, Pussycat? Or What's New, Pussycat? Oh, that's right. Yeah. He directed the Get Smart movie, The Nude Bomb, and he directed the George C. Scott Christmas Carol.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's so weird. This is such a sloppy movie, but like, he's clearly competent.
1: That's my third most favorite Christmas Carol.
0: <laughs> Your third <laughs> most favorite. Uh, Muppets first. Mickey second. Sorry. Fourth favorite. Oh, getting getting (laughs) Scrooged in there. Oh yeah. Okay. Fifth favorite. Yeah. Sorry. And then I just want to make one point about this movie that I could not wrap my head around. The show's called Spectre. There's no Spectres in it. (laughs) Why is the main character's last name not Spectre? Why is it not William Spectre?
2: Ooh, that would have been cool. Yeah, that is better. We should have called him William Spectre through this whole thing. Luke, why did you say that to the end? Anyway, that, those are all my final kind of thoughts on this show. I don't
0: know if you guys have anything you didn't get into while you we were doing this.
1: I have one minor point that like doesn't mean anything, but it's the first thing I, I wrote down. It's a Ghostbusters connection, which is at the very beginning of the movie. Dr. Hamilton comes into Sebastian's place and there's someone on the ground there looking at cards. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there I don't know what the, what these cards are, but they're the same cards that in Ghostbusters. Venkman is doing that psychic test. It's like the cards with the squiggly lines and the different shapes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I caught that too. And what's funny is I noticed it because obviously I recognize those uh, psychic cards from Ghostbusters, but we saw those same cards on a show we watched, Space Above and Beyond, where I tested Jordan's psychic abilities earlier too. So I've, <laughs> we've seen these cards a few times now. I can't remember what the result was. Was I off the chart psychic? Yeah, I think that was the final result <laughs> is that you're like a super psychic. <laughs>
1: And the only other thing I had was that the music in this movie is kind of insane. Like, it's harpsichord and synthesizers and, like, heavy drum crashes to indicate drama. But it was, like, really in-your-face music.
0: I mean, don't leave the audience wondering how they should feel. (laughs) It's a bad movie.
2: I think it's actually indicative of... Your point, Dave, is related to uh, Luke's, which is... I don't know if this was the director's fault. I think this is first and foremost, is a script problem. I just don't think this was a very well-structured, well-thought-out, well-written script. And so what you have is a bunch of people trying to make this into a coherent, watchable movie with varying degrees of success. And I actually think what you're probably seeing is something they tried to fix in the edit. That's how it felt like to me, is that there was a lot of nonsense that didn't make sense. And to your point earlier, Luke, where that scene where it was just a driving exposition scene, that just felt like a oh, there's a huge chunk here we don't have any footage for, so let's just have people talk. And so I just thought that this was something that someone got a lot of footage, and they're like, let's try to make something out of this thing.
0: I mean, you're not wrong, Jordan. And I I don't want us to go too much longer, because we've been going a long time on Spectre here, more than it probably deserves. But real quick, you guys, as as quick as you can be, in your mind, imagine this TV show went to series. What on earth does a typical episode of the show look like?
1: I don't know, I figured it would be kind of like a Night Stalker type thing, or an X-Files type thing, where it would be like a Monster of the Week, maybe. Like, I don't know if it would take any of the same concepts as this, maybe the the religious bent to the stories a little bit, but I just figured it'd be something like that. But not very good.
2: My hope would just be that every episode, he wakes up, William, the main character, and he's got a different butthole on some other part of his body. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, my note was uh, similar to David's, uh, but mine was just, I don't know, it's just horny Mm -hmm. (laughs) X-Files. Or, you know, horny-er X-Files. Hornier X-Files, yeah. All right, you guys, let's rate this series. David, we do this IMDb style out of 10 stars. Why don't you kick us off?
1: I'm going to go with like a 3, a 3 out of 10. Yeah.
0: 3 out of 10. I mean, well-deserved
2: 3. Jordan, you want to take us... I'm not going to go too much higher than Dave. I actually originally wrote down five, but as we've had to relive this uh, talking about it, it's made it it's made it much worse for me. So I'm going to bring it down to a four, four to ten.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. 1970s occult detective idea is like straight up my alley. And you know, these shows can be good because they're good, or they can be fun to watch because they're so bad. And this show has elements of going either way with that. Like it's a little slow, but it's weird occulty. There's just weird scenes like the sexual scene with three women in Hamilton, the weird lizard man, but it's just so incoherent. It's not even like fun bad. Yeah. So I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go with a four as well.
2: Not a strong showing.
0: There was moments where I thought we were going to have some fun, but it just was such a mess. Aren't you glad we called you in for this one,
1: Dave? (laughs) I'm having the time of my life.
0: (laughs) On that note, David, I want to thank you for joining us for this. It was a pleasure to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time to watch the show and then like come podcast with us.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: And, I mean, the listeners don't know this, but this is a particularly technically difficult podcast episode, so thank you so much for bearing with us. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all fixed in the audio, though, in the post, right, Jordan? Like, nobody knows anything went wrong. No one will notice a thing. It's all Hollywood magic. But... That about wraps it up for us here. So if you have any thoughts on Spectre, you remember watching it, maybe you saw the PG version, not the rated R one we did, you could email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have some clips from this. Uh, uh, you know, what are we going to have? Lizard Man? Chest buttholes.
2: Flames shooting out of the ground? There's some things I can't show. Um, obviously, the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, hoping to, I'm hoping to put like a consecutive 15-minute scene of just two characters walking down a staircase.
0: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. All right, but that, that wraps it up for us. Listener, thanks for joining us. And Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Bye.
2: Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seidler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.
0: Hey, listener, quick addendum to the podcast. Former guest and my cousin Nick texted me back just as we ended. Waterbeds are in fact heated. They have a little heating pad underneath where the water is. There you go. Now you don't have to wonder for the rest of your life.